0: really the adventure is about mystery without mystery you have no adventure and you can create that every day whether it's an hour or weeks on end on a trip just get outside and enjoy it
1: This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, brought to you by 180 TAC. Get out there and have some fun. Episode 116 Mike Lebecki, World Adventurer and National Geographic Explorer. Hi, friends, welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. This is your host, Kurt. Travis, my co-host, and I have been scratching our heads to figure out ways to offer even more value to the Adventure Sports Podcast community. We already bring you amazing interviews from amazing people. We have authors. We have instructors that help teach you and introduce you to Adventure Sports. We have amazing adventurers that go out and do these Adventure Sports. All these people have brought wonderful content to our show, and we've just had a blast with the interviews and meeting these people and getting to know some of you as well. And we know that from your responses, you're really enjoying the Adventure Sports Podcast, too. To say thank you for that, we want to offer even more value And so, we are going to give away this week, drumroll please, a free lift ticket to the ski area Eldora, which is about 12 miles west of Boulder, Colorado. Eldora is a fantastic family-friendly resort. They've kicked off their ski season this week with fantastic snow, and it's a great place to go where you don't have to drive the long drive on the I-70 corridor to get there. So it is a really fun place to ski. We're excited to give away a free lift ticket. I went to Warren Miller on Friday night, and I met several of you there, and I handed out free Adventure Sports podcast stickers, and I said, listen to the show, and we'll tell you how you can win a free lift ticket to a Colorado ski area. So this is how you do it. You don't have to have a sticker. But what you do have to do is send us an email to contest at adventuresportspodcast.com. That's contest at adventuresportspodcast.com. In the subject line, put lift ticket. And in the body of the email, make sure you give us your name. That's all you need to do. You'll be entered to win the lift ticket. Now, you can better your odds. If you refer a friend and they email us, they copy you in the email address, and they say in the body of your email, I was referred by XYZ, then they get entered into the contest and you get entered into the contest three more times. So that really improves your odds of winning the lift ticket. They can do the same thing. If they refer their friends, they can improve their odds too. So this is a way that we can say a special thanks to you, the listeners, for listening to the show. Additionally, we are planning other contests that we're going to hold in the future that may be a little less location-dependent. And I say that because we now have listeners in over 200 different countries. So if you're outside of Colorado and you want to come to Colorado and ski, by all means, you're welcome. Come and enter this contest, win the ticket, might as well. So one last time, to enter the contest, simply send us an email to contest at adventuresportspodcast.com. To be re-entered three times per referral, have your friends send us an email, copy you on the email address, say that they were referred by you. They get entered into the contest. You get three more entries into the contest. And in doing so, you'll also know that you have helped to promote the Adventure Sports Podcast. And we really thank you for being a part of the Adventure Sports Podcast community and doing what you can to help grow the show. Now, we will not abuse these email addresses. I need to say that. We don't believe in spam. You'll be able to unsubscribe at any time. We do periodically send out information about the show. Um, It's not super frequent, but we want to make sure that you know in advance that we'll try to stay in touch with you as part of the Adventure Sports Podcast community. So we are really excited to hear from you, and we're excited to give away the lift ticket to Eldora. Keep in mind, we do plan to do other giveaways in the future, and so there will be more opportunities. If you don't win the first time, hey, don't give up. One thing I should point out, since this podcast lives on from now on on the web, this contest only lasts until November 30th, 2015. That's November 30th, 2015. After that, there will be other opportunities. We will contact the winner via email and that way we can get the information we need to send you the lift ticket there will be other contests in the future and we're really excited thank you very much for being a part of the adventure sports podcast community now on with the show Today I have Mike Lebecki for our show, and Mike is a National Geographic explorer who has made it his life's goal to do at least 100 expeditions by the time he's 100 years old, and he is well on his way. He is an adventure traveler who has been all around the world. He is quick to tell you that his priorities are, number one, being a father to his daughter Liliana, and Lily, at the age of 12, has already been to all seven continents, and so they do a lot of adventure travel together. But Mike has done over 65 expeditions, most recently returning from Africa, where he and Lily climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, and also an expedition to Greenland with his brother. Mike is just full of life and has a real passion for living at large. I wanted to read one of his quotes. The time is now. What are you waiting for? No excuses. Dream big and climb those dreams. After all, it's not only life, but the quality of this life. Death and or old age is coming. We must live sweet. Why ration passion? Embrace the joyage. Mike, welcome to the program.
0: Hey, man. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Oh, we love having you on. This is going to be a fantastic show, so really cool. Hey, I hit some bullet points, but you've got so much in your adventure resume. Fill in the details for us. Well,
0: you know, I, I just define my life. Basically, There, it's a double life that I have, and I think you nailed it. It's um, I'm a dedicated father. And I want to support uh, the dreams and goals that my my daughter has. And, um, you know, I'm an addicted, obsessed, explorer, climber, adventurer. And I, I really uh, like to focus on unexplored and first ascents. And that really is what drives the organic enthusiasm for this lifestyle.
1: So unexplored and first ascents. Give us an example.
0: Well, you know, uh, you just mentioned 65-plus expeditions. Most of those have been to places that no one has ever been to before. No one has climbed, no one's explored. And, you know, there's still a lot of those places on this planet. A lot of people think that exploration is somewhat dead, yet I've got 23 more expeditions planned on paper right now to absolute virgin earth where, you know, people have not been to before. And, you know, it really revolves around that passion of exploration, you know, the magic, the power, the beauty of going on these expeditions, the people that you meet, the experiences that you have, And, you know, the second best part of those trips is bringing back these stories and these videos and photos and sharing them with the world and trying to get people inspired to care about the planet and to, you know, put down your phone and your screen and get outside in nature and have
1: some fun. Absolutely. So you are a National Geographic Explorer. Explain what that means.
0: Well, um, National Geographic has an explorers team and that could be a, a biologist or a doctor or, you know, just a number of different people, a professor or someone like myself who is an explorer that goes out and, um, you know, spends his time out in the wilderness and tries to share them again, the, these incredible, magical, powerful, beautiful places with the, uh, with the people that, you know, that don't want to go on these trips, but they still want to experience, you know, what's out in the wild.
1: Very fun. So, as far as in adventure sports concerned, um, you're obviously an adventure traveler. You're a climber. You've done a lot of other things. What would you uh, say are your top few sports?
0: Well, I, I mainly focus on climbing, and that's been you know sort of the nucleus of what I'm doing. Is it, it's always a pursuit to go out and climb a first ascent. You know, and that started back when I was living in Yosemite for several years, climbing. And you know, Yosemite's the center of the universe of climbing. And it really started there. I grew up near Yosemite National Park, but it has really revolved around climbing. But um, stand-up paddleboarding, skiing, snowboarding, you know, there's a lot of incredible sports out in the wilderness that I'm into. But it, it does mainly revolve around climbing.
1: So climbing is the number one fun for you then?
0: I would say it's 51% of it for sure.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. So you live in Utah now, so you ought to be getting in some great skiing and snowboarding there.
0: Well, as we're sitting here talking, it is snowing really hard. I live near the mouth of Little Cottonwood Canyon in Utah, uh, near Alta and Snowbird and some of the best backcountry skiing in the world. And actually, I uh, grew up in California, came out to ski in Utah about 20 years ago and just never left. I mean, it's just incredible skiing out here.
1: Oh, that's really cool. That same storm system is, well, I'm looking north and seeing it sweep up the valley toward our, our mountain here. It's going to be here by the time we're done. Nice, nice. That's a lot of fun. So why would you encourage people? You already mentioned that you like to encourage people to get out and do things. Why would you encourage people to take up expeditions and adventure sports?
0: You know, I think it would be all about um, just getting outside, whether it's in your local wilderness or halfway around the world. I, I would really love it if there was some way that my stories and what I do and my expeditions, you know, inspired people just to, like I said, put down your phone, disconnect, uh, sort of a digital detox, and get out in the wilderness and leave your phone at home and just get out and be in nature and connect where we're all from. I mean, my religion is the universe and the earth and the planet. And I just can't imagine anything better than being outside, whether you're by yourself or friends and family. Just getting out in wilderness is so important, I think, for the human soul. And, um, you know, I just want to be part of that circle that spreads that Basically, that information, that message, and um, again, hopefully, use the word inspire, and, and just for people to get outside and love life.
1: So, here's a question for you that I've been pondering a little bit. Sometimes, you know, you're sitting on the couch and the remote control's right there, and you think, "Wow, I could just hit this button and veg all day." But then you also know I could stand up, I could walk out that front door, and who knows what's going to happen. How do you get past that that urge to veg?
0: Well, I don't have a TV, so that that helps. And um, you know, I make it a point in my life to you know get out and take the dogs for a walk, or get out with my daughter or friends and family and go hiking or climbing or skiing or stand up paddleboarding or you know ride your bike. And it's just an you know once you make that decision to make it a routine, and you get that once you get the feeling of being in the wilderness and being outside, it never goes away for a lot of people, especially for myself and the people around me. It's just. It's a top priority, but it's not a struggle. It's not a, Oh, how do I get away? That's what I love to do first and foremost is sharing experiences outside with the people I love. And now uh, you said, you know, how do you, how do you step away from the everyday life and technology and get out in the wild? It's simple. Turn off your phone, put down your iPad, turn off the computer and go for a walk and go hike or go climb or look for a, a community. If you don't have partners or friends, I mean, just go outside. And breathe and think about life. Think about you know where we came from, where we're going, how is this reality even existing? I think it's so important to get out in nature and just breathe and just think and just see what happens. I mean, for me, you know, really the adventure is about mystery. Without mystery, you have no adventure, and you can create that every day, whether it's an hour or weeks on end on a trip. Just get outside and enjoy it. And I think uh, if people are struggling with that you know, step to go do that, just go do it and you'll find that it's the most beautiful thing you
1: can do. I love it. Perfect. That's exactly the message that we've been saying on this show now since February when we launched. And it's the reason why we're here to encourage people to connect with nature in that way to start moving and enjoying life more richly. I love it. So will you tell us about an experience on an expedition that really got you hooked on this adventurous lifestyle? Take us there so we know what it's like to do what you do.
0: Well, you know, one of the first really major expeditions that I went on that, well, I mean, let me back up here. So I grew up hunting and camping and being outdoors. And so my parents really installed that mess, that feeling of being in nature and what it's like. And so for me, it was normal growing up. And you know, it's just always been that way, that feeling of being around the campfire or, you know, being out fishing on a lake or, you know, the, there's just nothing like it. And then you experience you know, a crazy storm with rainbows and hail and snow and, you know, just there, or you see a bear in the woods or, you know, you see these, this wildlife. I mean, I could go on and on about the experiences, but for me on, on the subject of expeditions where that lifestyle really became an obsession or addiction was up in Baffin Island in the Northern Arctic. And I, you know, I went up there with the local Inuit and we went on dog teams across the frozen ocean and we saw polar bears and whales and, You know, I went to climb these huge walls and it was 24 hours sunlight. And, you know, there's so many experiences I can talk about, but just that magic and power and beauty and the mystery, you just don't know what's going to happen next. You know, and there's also something about being self-reliant when you're out in nature where you have to, you know, cook your food and set up your tents and battle the storms and it's just never-ending. It really has become an obsession. And um, it, it's the mystery. It's the mystery that you don't know what's going to happen next in the wild that is really what drives it for me.
1: Mm. You know, I know that several of our listeners are saying, wow, this guy has figured it out. He's, he's out doing this stuff, chasing his dreams. I like the sound of that. But it's often tough because not everybody gets paid to go on adventures, right? Correct. So what is the secret of affording an adventure-filled life? How have you pulled this off?
0: Well, you know, it's a, it's. a, I'll try to make this long story short. And it's been a long road. And basically it started when, uh, you know, I started going to college right out of high school and I started climbing and spending time in Yosemite and I just became obsessed. So um, I left college to live in my truck and climb 300 days a year. And, you know, I didn't really know what was ahead of me. I was very much living in the moment of now that I, I really strive to do is focusing on the moment. And as I started climbing, I'd work in climbing shops and then I'd work in skiing shops and go skiing all winter. It was sort of the classic, you know, climbing, skiing bum lifestyle. That's an incredible life. And it just sort of evolved from there, uh, going on big trips and then, you know, finding out that I could write stories and share these in magazines. And then all the way up to, you know, 20 years later, you know, a lot of stuff that's on the Internet and and working with companies that want to help share these stories there's been a, a really wonderful reciprocation that is basically founded through the outdoor industry. Without the outdoor industry, I could do none of this. So I work with a lot of different companies um, that um, help me pay for these trips. I don't have a trust fund. I don't have family money. I work very, very hard to make this lifestyle happen. And, um, you know, I think it really comes down to just a 100% absolute belief in your passion And if you're really driven and really focused on that passion and lucky enough to have an an awesome passion that you're organically enthused, I think everything will just fall into place. And that's just from personal experience. So I have to admit, it's been a struggle financially for a long time. Um, I've went into major, major debt on credit cards to go on big expeditions. Um, But now working with such wonderful people in the outdoor industry, I'm able to make a living that sustains this lifestyle. It's a very simple living. But it's um, it's just what I love to do, so I feel very fortunate.
1: So you're rich in experiences.
0: Yeah, and uh, with a lot of debt. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's great. So another challenge that people often have is, well, how am I going to take care of my family if I'm doing all this? And I know that your number one passion is about being a father, taking care of your daughter. Tell us about that dynamic.
0: Well, you know, it's um, that's a great uh, subject to talk about because – you know, I, I'm gone a lot. I do a lot of trips. Uh, my daughter's traveling with me quite a bit. And so it's a huge shout out to her mom, uh, family and friends that keep everything going when I'm gone. And without that, I couldn't do any of this. So there's a huge appreciation factor for this lifestyle, for the expeditions, for what we're able to do. And that starts with Liliana's mom, who is very supportive and uh, family and friends. And that goes on and on to all of the companies I work with that make the products. So we can go out there and survive and actually complete these go these big goals that we set on ourselves. And so it's just a, a whole world of people that really make it possible. And I just I can't tell you how much I appreciate everyone involved. So if I'm on a summit, whether it's solo or with a team, there's hundreds of people on that summit that really made it possible to happen. And so it's it, it really does come down to just the appreciation of so many different people.
1: Oh, that's really cool. And it sounds like Liliana has caught the adventure bug herself.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, it's really exciting because, you know, she's grown up, you know, with this dad who's doing these expeditions and, you know, coming home with the stories and photos. And I think she's kind of grown up thinking, oh, this is normal. And then as she's gotten older, realizing, well, my dad's not so normal. My, my <laughs> dads aren't doing this kind of stuff. And she started, you know, she's been traveling, um, you know, out of the country since she was nine months old. Uh, she started skiing when she was two years old. And she's she's just kind of grown up in, in what, uh, you know, trying to share with her what I believe in is very important, which is travel and being outside. And now, yeah, she's caught the travel bug. She's uh, been to 16 countries. She's been to all seven continents. Um we have a trip uh planned to Japan that we're leaving for tomorrow. We've got another trip planned to Nepal next summer to do a big humanitarian project. So I'm really proud of her that she's she wants to be a humanitarian and she wants to travel the world and she wants to make a difference on this planet. So I'm very proud of her.
1: Oh, that's great. What a neat way to encourage a kid and and you know, to see a a young person who is developing those sorts of passions. I think that that's what the future is going to be built on.
0: Well, and she's, you know, part of the next generation to not only um, inspire other kids to put down the phones and the iPads and, you know, which is becoming sign of the times. I'm not against all of that. It's sign of the times. Uh, we're all involved with the, the age of, of this technology, but it's equally or it's much more important to be out in nature and doing what you love. And, you know, there's this really great quote, um, don't tell me how educated you are. Tell me how much you traveled. And I think that's a really solid uh, sentence right there.
1: Oh, yeah, that's great. For 20 years, Bent Gate Mountaineering has been outfitting climbers, skiers, backpackers, and outdoor enthusiasts with the gear they need – Whether climbing an 8,000 meter peak or buying your first backcountry ski setup, BentGate is here to help. Bentgate is continuing to offer free BC 101 sessions this winter, teaching backcountry ski boot and binding setup, avi safety and beacon practice, clothing systems, and tips and tricks to make your days more enjoyable. If you don't own the gear, Bentgate offers a full range of rental and demo equipment. Bentgate also has free demo ski days at local resorts to give you a chance for hands-on experience. Be sure to check bentgate.com for our full product selection as well as updates on all these events. Elevate Conditioning's mission is to construct customized exercise programs based on solid mechanics and general progression. These allow clients to improve athletic performance while addressing limiting factors. You may not be an elite athlete. You have personal and professional responsibilities that make demands on your time. That doesn't mean that you don't have athletic goals and a desire to improve. Elevate Conditioning is here to teach you how to train your body to be the most powerful, effective, and efficient vehicle possible. Additionally, Elevate offers small group training, wilderness fitness adventures, and long-distance sessions via video. Find out more at www.elevateconditioning.com. So, what are your plans for Japan?
0: I'm going to Japan to share, uh, to do some presentations, and to share some stories from Greenland and Antarctica. And uh, just fortunately, my daughter's able to come along with me, and we're gonna uh, just have some fun in a, in a new place. So uh, she's never been to Japan. I've been there quite a few times, but she uh, she wants to keep ticking off the list on with different countries. She even said to me, "Gosh, I wonder what it would be like to go to every country on the planet." And I said, "You know what?" That's a great goal and that's not so far fetched. Whatever you want to do, there's no doubt you can do it. 100%. Oh,
1: that's fun. So how many countries are on the planet now? 240-ish? Am well, I Well,
0: I think it depends on, you know, when you check, when you look, but you know, it seems to be around 195 to 200 plus when if you, you know, if you were to google it right off the bat, it's it's roughly around that area. So
1: So that's a big goal, but Achievable. It can be done.
0: Anything's achievable if you're really focused, and there's there's just no doubt in my mind. And um, yeah, and I really want my daughter to to realize that. And whether she wants to continue traveling and adventuring and do humanitarian work or being a, a veterinarian, whatever she wants to do, I want to make sure that my example to her is, you know, I followed my passions and dreams, and no matter what yours are. I want you to follow those as well, no matter what. No matter what society says, I want you to follow your heart and really just live those dreams and goals as best you can.
1: Mm, very cool. What about Nepal? You said humanitarian work there.
0: Yeah, so um, my daughter and I did a, a trip to Africa, and we climbed Kilimanjaro, but we spent time in the Kilimanjaro kids' community, an orphanage there, installing solar panels, bringing them new laptops, and so we're trying to do trips that we can actually give back and make a difference as we're doing this. So we've just planned another trip to Nepal next uh, for next June, and we're going to go there and work with uh, three different villages, bring solar panels, solar energy. Uh, we're going to bring a ton of socks and clothing, and just we're trying to find out what they need, and then we're going to try to go out and help um, help some people. I mean. Whether you're helping 10 people or thousands, you're making a difference in this world. And so we want to continue on that um, on that journey of trying to make a difference and trying to give back and just keep the appreciation flowing.
1: That's great. I wanted to give a shout out to Lonnie Dupree because he um, has been doing humanitarian work in Nepal over this summer as well. And I love it when adventurers, explorers, people that love um, adventure sports, when they realize that, you know, They've been given a huge gift and they want to give back as they go along. So kudos to you and kudos to Lonnie.
0: Well, I appreciate that. And then I'll I'll give a kudos to my daughter because she's really inspiring me to focus more on the humanitarian efforts. And so um it's it's really exciting how I've been trying to inspire her to do this, and yet I'm learning so much from her and being so inspired by her to really try to make a difference. Um it's just a beautiful thing.
1: Oh yeah. Well, let's shift gears a little bit. Tell us a story about a time that things didn't go right. On some of these expeditions, I know you've had some huge challenges. Tell us a a campfire story about one of those.
0: Well, um, when you say didn't go right, I will, uh, you know, I'll share with you an interesting experience. So I do a lot of solo expeditions and um, I went on this solo trip to Afghanistan and was going to try to solo this really beautiful, huge tower way out in remote Afghanistan. You know, going by myself to Af- Afghanistan was a big deal. It took a lot of time to research, to, to um, connect with good security there and be able to go out in the mountains and feel safe to be there. So it was, it was a lot of, of weight going by myself there. But once I got out there, I started uh, rope soloing this big tower. And um, I got about 800 feet up the wall, and I got to this really big, he, just this really huge loose flake that was on the route I was climbing, and the flake was detached. It was about the size of a garage door and about a foot thick, so we're talking a few tons of, of rock in this flake that somehow could fall at any moment, and I had to continue up around this flake or over this flake uh, to, to go up the route. Well, um, I started putting some gear in the rock, and I disturbed the flake, and it was kind of crumbly and loose. I ended up making the decision to, to climb past it, well, as soon as I climbed past the flake, about 10 minutes later, just as I was past it, the entire thing crumbled off the wall and exploded down the wall. Oh. I've been underneath it where I was at 10 minutes before I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you today. And that was an incredible moment that just I still look back and have a hard time coming to terms with. It was the closest call I've ever had to death, for sure. And it was just... Um, it was pure luck. You know, I look at these expeditions as, um, you know, huge mathematical equations and the variables and constants throughout this, these equations. And I look at them as being safe. You do this, this and this. You don't make any mistakes and you can be safe, even solo climbing. Well, I made a call out there. I got out under the flake. It, again, it exploded off the wall. It cut up my ropes beneath me. And I got to admit after that, I was crying like a baby thinking I just, I almost, died right there and it was it was a horrible scary moment yet here i
1: am hmm. that's one of those moments that you have to ponder for a long time what kind of life lessons did you learn from that
0: you know it's pretty simple that um as far as a life lesson is uh, if you get underneath a big flake that's that looks really loose and it can kill you get out of there as fast as you can because doing first descent uh climbs that's pretty much the number one enemy is loose rock. Um, then you get into wind and other sort of factors. But when you get into some loose rock, that can kill you really fast. And there's been people that have been killed by loose rock on big climbs. And that's, uh, you know, there's not a real big life lesson that I've taken aside from, hey, don't do it. But I don't, uh, I'm not going to go down that path. It's just you got to do your best. You got to focus and you got to hope for the best. You just have to hope sometimes that it's going to be okay. Okay.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think you have to be prepared for all the eventualities, and like you said, set all the odds in your favor, but always have a plan B of some sort. Every step, every every handhold, I, I think there needs to be a plan B.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's one thing to think about backup plans and how you're going to rescue yourself and what are you going to do in this situation, and that's honestly that's a given for what I do. i mean you know that's always thinking about being prepared, um, having your medical kit, your repair kit, the equipment, the focus you know, being in, in really good shape and just, you know, mentally focused is so important. Um, there's all sorts of plan B, C and D, et cetera. But you really, you know, for me, it's focusing on the moment of now and really the goal at hand. And, you know, um, like I said, I feel like this stuff is 100% mathematically safe unless you make a mistake. And so I guess that day, you know, I did assess the flake. I did get out from underneath it. And so I'll go with it. I, I somehow was able to survive that situation.
1: I climb 14ers is one of my hobbies and I've, uh, I had a, on Uncompahgre, I had a rock that was oh about the size of a car that decided to go down the mountain while I was on it. And, uh, so, you know, it was one of those situations where I could scramble and jump off the moving rock onto something that wasn't moving, Yeah, you know, and those sorts of things just happen. It's just part of the sport, but I think you just got to be keenly aware and ready.
0: Yeah. There's no doubt that the, the mental focus is most important and, um, you know, that's part of the mystery I talked about. You just don't know what's going to happen next sometimes, and that's part of the the obsession and the addiction. And again, you know, you talk about a, a learning something from that. Well, I didn't learn to not do that. I just learned to focus as I have, and everything's going well. And just, uh, you know, I, uh, I think you mentioned uh, National Geographic Explorer. Well, I consider myself a modern-day explorer. And one of the ways that I define that is you either go or you don't go. And as an explorer for today's day and age, I always go and I always will. And, um, you know, it really just comes down to that. It's it's going to – the journey is going to continue.
1: Cool. Well, hey, will you describe the techniques you use for your rope soloing? I, I think a lot of people may not be aware of how that works.
0: Well, it's, you know, to make it um, – let's see if I can explain that to a general audience of rope soloing. So basically if you have two people, you've got somebody belaying you. And so if you fall, that's going to be – You know, from the belayer, an upward force of the rope going up through your gear and then you're falling in a downward force. So basically what I'm doing is I'm setting an anchor below me that has an upward pulling force. So if I fall, that the force off the anchor will pull up and then, of course, go through my gear and then I'll have a force going down. And so I'm taking the entire lead rope with me and I'm belaying myself as I go up the rock placing gear. So it's basically just a, an invisible partner down below, and I've got to manage belaying myself and climbing at the same time.
1: So are you using some sort of a uh, friction device at the bottom to, if you took a fall, that would catch you?
0: No. So the um, so basically, I'm using a modified system that I have with a chest harness and a grigri, and so down below is one end of the rope that is fixed as an upward pulling anchor. So if I fall, it'd be just like that person below me on belay it would catch me with an upward pulling force.
1: Interesting. That's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. It's, it's kind of, you know, hard to explain, but that's, that's basically what it comes down to.
1: Neat. Well, what about projects that you have in the works? I know you have a lot of things planned. What's on your event calendar?
0: You know, I've got a a lot of projects. Again, I mentioned the trip to Nepal with my daughter. I'm really focusing on what her goals are for travel and expeditions and humanitarian work. And I've got a lot of expeditions coming up. I mean, um, there's a new place in Siberia that I want to go to. Um, there's an, another, well, there's two other places in Greenland that are untouched, unexplored that I want to check out. I mean, every project right now, as far as expeditions, they're revolving around untouched, unexplored places. And um, there's a one on the border of China and Kyrgyzstan, uh, the Eastern islands of Papua New Guinea, uh, the West coast of Africa. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of places I want to go to. And so my upcoming projects are focusing on my daughter's trips um and also some per- big personal expeditions that I have.
1: So do you do quite a bit of photography on these trips?
0: Yeah, yeah, so lots of photos and video and and you know trying to capture the story to bring home and you know share first and foremost with my family and friends and then um I do a lot of public speaking and you know try to try to go speak live and connect with people and get them excited to uh, to get out there and care about our planet and just get outside and love life.
1: So if our listeners wanted to see some of your work and, and see some of the photojournalism that you've done, where should they go?
0: You know, I, I think an easy one is obviously a quick Google to, um, to, to you know, of my name to kind of check out what's going on because there's a lot of, uh, a lot of different d- different films, film festivals, public speaking, a lot of different fun stories that I'm trying to share. But um, you can also go check out, um, you know, com to, to see some stuff there. But I think, um, yeah, I think it's pretty simple these days to kind of Google around and find what's going on.
1: Okay, well, we're going to be snooping and looking over your shoulder then. Nice, nice. <laughs> what about tips or tricks for your sport when you're living a, a life, you know, an, an adventure expedition lifestyle? What What are some of the things that you've picked up along the way that are valuable?
0: Well, I think, um, you know, I, th- I think rather than specific tips or tricks or you know, the mechanics of it is just... Uh, making sure that you have a lot of optimism and you have a lot of patience because sometimes, you know, for me, these expeditions, it can take one or two trips or three trips just to succeed on the goal. Sometimes there's a reconnoiter that has to happen. Um, I would say as much research as possible, planning. I mean, the most important part of an expedition is when you're packing at home in the garage. So, for example, if I'm doing a trip to Antarctica, and I forget that one little tool that's going to fix my stove, well, that expedition can be over and maybe your life. So, you know, preparation and planning for whatever the project is, whatever trip that you have, is first and foremost the most important by far. And then just patience, optimism, focus, and psych, and just going. Just go. Don't find an excuse. Don't make excuses. Get out there and go for whatever you want to do and make it happen.
1: You know, a personal anecdote over the last week, I've been wanting to go ski a 14er, and I thought, hey, I'll go hit Greys and Tories. And as I was thinking about that, I thought, wow, I really can't find enough information about the avalanche conditions. It's early season, but early season slides do happen. And I started doubting, is this a good idea? And then I stopped myself and I said, holy cow, you're thinking about trying to summit and ski with unknown conditions. How about if you change the dynamic and say, I'm going to go check it out and see what happens?
0: Absolutely. And that's what I mean by the reconnoiter and the research. And so rather than trying to find the information, go out and get the information yourself. And just like you said, whatever you want. I mean, having a goal of going to summit and ski it. Well, that's great. But just the attempt is success. Just going for it is the success. Even if you turn around at the bottom and think, hey, you know what, it's too dangerous today. Just the attempt in itself is success
1: absolutely I tell my kids all the time when they head out on their adventures you know be safe first and have fun second and and then just you know go knock it out of the park I really believe that that's what it's about
0: like I mentioned I I believe what I do is hundred percent safe and you just can't make a mistake there's no human errors or they can be pretty intense I mean sometimes out there it's trying to define the line between dangerous and too dangerous you know and where, where that is and sometimes, when you can't, maybe you maybe when you can't define that, maybe you found it and sometimes you have to turn around. Oh, yeah.
1: Well, the next question is kind of funny for you because you do so many expeditions and you have so many, you know, on the books, but I love to ask it anyway. If you had no limits, someone was going to fund what you wanted to do 100%, then uh, what do you think that would be?
0: Yeah, the dream would be if there you know, financial support would be to buy an incredible sailboat and sail around the world for maybe two years and, you know, get first ascents on every continent and just con- continue to do that until the, the time is done. That would be pretty special. And, of course, I'd want my daughter to go.
1: <laughs> that sounds lovely. So cruising to the summits.
0: Well, yeah, so basically it would be really beautiful because, you know, it would be a continuous sort of expedition, if you want to call it that. It would be more of just a, a lifestyle that you're living for so long, and it would be sea to summit. So you'd be sea to summit, and you get back down to the boat, and you sail around the world to the next destination. It would just be an incredible journey. And I'm hoping that when I'm in my 60s or 70s, that'll be uh, sort of the crown expedition—is just getting the sailboat and hitting all the continents and just nonstop and trying to trying to do some cool stuff.
1: How fun would it be to be sitting on the boat with the maps open and say, "Now where? What's next?"
0: That that would be just an incredible, incredible thing, no doubt about it.
1: That's fun. So what inspires you? You're obviously a very inspired guy, but what what's your drive?
0: You know, um, I'm inspired by my daughter, of course. You know, I've talked a lot about her and just seeing her grow up. And, you know, I think any parent can understand just the, the love and the the inspiration you have from your child and just the joy that you share with them is, is really, first and foremost, uh, the most amazing thing in my life. But I'm inspired by you know, so many people around the world, just, um, you know, photographers or um, conservationists or, you know, from in the ocean to the mountains to the jungles to, you know, saving a species. I mean, I'm just inspired by so many people. And that's, you know, it's one of the things I love about the age of technology is that there's so many people that can inspire you and so many stories and beautiful moments you can see and read about. I'm I'm inspired by humans that are getting out and doing amazing things and just our our fellow humans really inspire me.
1: Yeah, it's a good answer. You know, I think when people first start doing adventures, sometimes the inspiration is is just the excitement, but then as they have the experience and they start seeing what's out there, then that becomes inspirational, but I think in the end we it, it kind of comes full circle and it's back to the people.
0: Yeah. yeah, you know, I think I think a lot of people have big dreams and goals, desires. And I think in today's day that, you know, that's just really hard to break free from a routine. And I think uh, if you, you know, one of my quotes that you said, there's just no excuses. If there's something you want to do, I know there's a way to find it. And it may be a long journey to do it. But, um, you know, just I, I think that's so important just to get rid of the excuses and go out there and do some cool stuff, you know.
1: Absolutely. I remember as a teenager, I started dreaming about what would it be like to snow ski, what would it be like to scuba dive? What would it be like to go on extended, you know, week-long trips on on a bicycle, that sort of thing? And at first, it was just like, well, I ought to just kind of expect to do that. And you know, by the time I was twenty, I had done all of that and much more. And uh, it was just because I set it up there as an expectation that it was going to happen in my life.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's amazing, and ho- hopefully people will will get that bug and and continue to go after it. I mean, um, I remember an example. Uh, when I, I presented this trip to Antarctica in my daughter's classroom when she was in kindergarten. And, you know, I was skiing and there was penguins. And ever since that presentation, she said, Dad, I really want to ski in Antarctica. I really want to ski with the penguins. And as she got older, I said, you know, if you really want to do that, it's going to be a lot of work. And you've got to get straight A's and you've got to learn to backcountry ski and you've got to, you know, train. And, you know, for a few years we focused on it and it was really incredible for her to see that, you don't just go and do this it takes a lot of work a lot of preparation a lot of training a lot of skills and um i think that for people out there wanting to learn new things or go out and figure out how to do new adventures you just have to start by stepping out the door and find you know just start by what shoes do i buy or you know go start i mean whatever it takes just take that first step and i think it'll all come if you if you're um if you're inspired to get after something you know
1: Outdoor Pursuits is the adventure hub of Fort Lewis College. This comprehensive collegiate outdoor program not only offers an extensive outdoor equipment co-op that provides everything from tents to kayaks and ski gear to mountain bikes, but also offers a varied trip calendar that includes both instructional and recreational outings from climbing some of the world's highest peaks to enjoying Durango's amazing hiking and mountain biking trails. Our experienced and friendly staff are always up for an adventure, and are a great resource for those planning their own outings. Visit the Fort Lewis College website for more information on what outdoor pursuits is all about. And remember, adventure is not in the guidebook, and beauty is not on the map. Never run out of camp stove fuel again. The 180 stove is a natural fuel stove that eliminates the need to carry heavy, bulky fuel canisters. With a generous 6-inch by 7-inch cooking surface, it folds away into a clean, compact, self-forming case that is small enough to fit inside your pocket. At only 10.4 ounces, the additional weight and space savings allows for other important items in your pack. Get more information at 180tac.com and look for it in retailers near you as well as online. You know, what I love about that story is that your daughter had the goal of let's ski in Antarctica with the penguins. But from that goal came physical fitness, skiing skills, and a whole lot more ability that she can use for a whole variety of, of explorations later.
0: Absolutely. I mean, the, you know, sort of the metaphor messages through adventure and what you learn with with preparation and planning and focus and determination um, I mean, it's, it really correlates to everyday life. And you, you know, you bring those challenges and those experiences back with you and you apply them to your relationships or you apply them to, um, you know, what you're doing for work or what you're doing in your community. And it's, it really is an incredible tool to, uh, to bring back the challenges that and the beauty that you experience in the wilderness or whatever it is that you want to do outside. It's just, a, it's a full circle deal.
1: Uh, that's cool. A lot of people, um, you know, they have the 40, 50, 60 hour a week job. They have limited vacation time. They have big dreams, but heavy commitments. Do you have any advice for those people?
0: You know, um, some of my favorite adventures are heading out to my local mountains for the day and going skiing or going hiking with my dogs or my friends and family. And I think it's very relative. I think everyone can get out and have a good time in the wild. And, you know, but ultimately what it does come down to is if you do have some bigger goals and desires uh, for, you know, traveling or adventure or whatever, what have you, you've got to make some changes to make that happen. And the way I see it, you know, anything worth doing, any goal worth achieving takes compromise and sacrifice. And there's just no doubt about it. It's not just this easy road. There's a lot of obstacles. There's a lot of challenges. There's heartache. There's emotions. Um, it's not just this simple life of, of, you know, grabbing onto these goals and succeeding at them. There's, there's a ton of behind the scenes stuff that's very difficult, very emotional. And, but again, anything worth doing, this summit or the summit metaphorically or what have you, it's going to take compromise and sacrifice. There's no doubt. Um, but those challenges are so important. Without those, I don't think it would be worth it. I mean, there's nothing like um, being shut down on an expedition or a summit attempt and having to turn around and walk away. Those are some of the most powerful moments that I can remember.
1: Mm, thank you for saying that. I think a lot of people come on the show and they share amazing feats that they've done and as they should you know they're worth sharing those are the stories we're looking for but to hear someone say there's a backstory here that you know it, it's emotional. It takes sacrifice and it's not always an easy thing at all. I think that that actually can be really encouraging because when we hear the big story, we all just kind of go, Oh man, I wish I could do something like that. It feels out of reach. But when you bring in the backstory, then people go, No, I can do this. It just means I've got to, I've got to work at it. I've got to, I've got to make those efforts and sacrifices.
0: Well, I think that it's really important to talk about that because, um, you know, I do a lot of expeditions. I work with some incredible people that make this lifestyle possible. And, you know, I've had people say, well, you know, how do you afford it? And, you know, do you have a trust fund or how do you, and it's like, I have as much or more debt than anyone I know. I work as hard as I can. I do side jobs. I do whatever it takes to make these things happen. And it's because it's an organic enthusiasm. It's not, you know, here's the way I look at it. There, there's two ways that this lifestyle works. And one of them, well, not only that how it works, but just how it exists, how I perceive and the, the feelings I have. And there's joy. There's so much joy involved with um, this lifestyle every single day, whether it's planning, whether it's you know looking at maps, whether it's dealing with getting permissions, it's, it's working with companies. Um, there is just so much joy involved. And then the other side of that is the pre-joy, the pre-joy or the, the challenges, the sacrifices, the emotions, the pain, the suffering. So you either have joy or you have pre-joy. But that pre-joy still has the word joy in it. And you know the real joy is coming. So all said and done, it's a joyful lifestyle. But those challenges and that, those suffering moments, that's part of
1: the joy. Absolutely. And to bring it down to a simple metaphor, I've driven to the top of Pikes Peak and you get up there or Mount Evans. Both of them have, have roads. And you get up and you say, wow, this is really pretty. And you jump in your car and you drive back down. I've also climbed to both peaks and you know, you're hiking for 13 miles and you've gone through a little altitude sickness. You're hungry. You're exhausted. You're tired and you get to the top and it's not just pretty anymore. It's yeah. so much more than pretty. And you, until you've done it, you can't really explain it, but that summit experience. I think it's it's ninety percent what you did on the way to the summit.
0: Yeah, it's it's being in that moment of now, whether uh, you know the storm has come in and you're suffering, or you're, like you said, you had some altitude sickness. Those challenges and that suffering is absolutely the hyper moment of right now. It's that moment of now that's so important to embrace and experience because it's different than embracing the moment of now in everyday life with kids, with family, with work, with so many things happening. But when you're out there in the wilderness, those moments of now are just incredibly special. And, you know, those are things that are going to stay with you forever. And I just, you know, that hyper moment of now really is one of the drives of getting out there.
1: Well, I couldn't agree more. So you mentioned that there are companies that help out to make this lifestyle possible. So you're a sponsored athlete. So tell us about those sponsorships.
0: Well, you know, I don't I don't like to use the word sponsor because uh, I like to look at it as reciprocal relationships because we work together. Um, you know, we develop product together. We work on marketing and sharing stories. And, you know, it's like a, a friendly family feeling with the people that I work with. And so we I'd like to say it's a reciprocal relationship and we have fun. We're we're embracing what we love to do in the outdoors. We're helping people people be able to get out there and be out in nature in a positive way and be able to experience it however they want to experience it. So, you know, from tents and sleeping bags to clothing to solar panels to, you know, the ropes that we use. I mean, it's, it's all a huge family and friends and camaraderie community of the outdoor world working together to enjoy this life, to get other people out there to find this magic and power and beauty of this, the natural world. I mean, it's, I just don't see it as a sponsorship. I just see it as this incredible community working together to have this joy and this pre-joy before it's all over. And it's uh, it, it's uh really how I look at it.
1: Hey, let's give a shout out to the companies that work with you for these expeditions.
0: Yeah. And as I mentioned, these are all friendly family relationships that I have with all these companies that make it possible for me to do this stuff. And it really is a reciprocal, fun and joyful connection and community that we work with. But you know, there's a lot of people out there. And, um, you know, for example, Mountain Hardware, um, Goal Zero, Cliff Bar, uh, 510. I'm just going to name them all to you that have been so helpful for me for so long. Uh, Wigwam, uh, Sterling Rope, and Black Diamond, um, MSR, and Thermarest, and Sealine, and Smith Glasses. And then it goes on to the American Alpine Club and uh, different organizations like National Geographic. I mean, there's just so many people gosh, that have come together as, again, part of this community that have made it possible. And it's just, I feel so appreciative.
1: Okay. Advice. How do you manage to establish these relationships with these companies? I know that there are other people out there say, man, I would love to work with some companies and and make some stuff happen.
0: You know, I feel very fortunate to have the relationships I do with all these companies. And I, I don't even just using the word company, all the people that I work with, these incredible humans that we've connected together and shared and done all this wonderful stuff together but um you know i was i started doing this you know 20 years ago and it was a different scene before the internet and before a lot of different stuff was going on and so i have a long standing relationship with all these companies but it's um i really think that they believe in just the organic enthusiasm and going on these adventures and sharing the stories and developing the product to make it the best it can be and just they all believe in sharing the joy. They all believe in the experience. They all believe in, you know, we all have to make a living and we're all making a living together doing what we love and sharing a positive message and a positive product and a positive life. I mean, it, it really, um, but how I got into it was just organic. It just, I've been walking up a staircase working with people and continuing to get out and do these trips that, um, is a great reciprocation to, the companies I work with. And it's, I mean, it's this, that's really what, what it comes down to.
1: So it sounds like the quick bullet point summary is it's about the people.
0: It's about the people and the connection and the message and the, the psych and the enthusiasm and the joy. And, and that's what this whole outdoor community is all about. And, you know, and on top of that is, you know, sharing the experience and people getting excited about protecting our planet and helping the people.
1: So, Mike, I think you've already answered a lot of this question, but I'm going to address it specifically. How does your expedition lifestyle, what you're doing, how does that benefit others and society as a whole?
0: You know, one of the cool ways to to give back from the expeditions and lifestyle is, um, you know, in 2003 was the first time I worked with some different scientific uh, organizations, uh, even with NASA, Stanford University, and helping them go out and retrieve samples or do location scouting, or even joining a team where I can manage their base camp, um, all the way to working with adventurers and scientists for conservation and taking um, scat samples or tracking polar bears. There's a number of different ways that has been really, really fun to give back with what I'm doing. You know, doing um, humanitarian efforts on the expeditions. Um, in Kyrgyzstan, we brought solar energy to villages Um, Like I mentioned, in Africa, we did a big solar energy humanitarian project there recently and just trying to really focus on is there a problem and is there a solution that I can help contribute to while going on these expeditions. So it's been really fun.
1: You know, I think there's some uh, more intrinsic benefits too, like just bringing back stories and the enthusiasm that you have about doing it and the way that you inspire others to get out and to do it to um, people – gain a lot of awareness about our planet and about our world, about ecosystems and other needs that people have in other places, just because you're going and you're bringing back your stories.
0: You know, I, I hope that that is something that um, people enjoy is, you know, reading the stories or seeing the photos and videos of these magical places. And just, you know, not a lot of people are going to do these kind of trips, but I think a lot of people, they really want to see what's out there and they want to, you know, basically connect with that story or, You know, see what's going on in these wild places. And, um, I think it brings a lot of joy to people. And I hope, um, I hope it does.
1: Uh, That's great. So, hey, we're running out of questions and we're running out of time, but we'd love to hear a funny story. A funny story.
0: Well, I'll give you one of my favorite stories real quick. All right. I've got a great little story I can tell you. And this was a big wake up call for me and just a proud moment as a father. Um, took my daughter out to Antarctica to complete her goal of, of backcountry skiing in Antarctica. And we were out there and it was about 50, 60 mile an hour winds. And um, we we're taking off our skins, off our skis, and you know, the wind's blowing and things are kind of going crazy and it's a whiteout. And um, I've always told my daughter, you know, optimism and you know, you gotta have optimism. And I thought one of our skins flew off in the wind. And I'm like, okay, you know, let's I'm gonna make this anchor here, and you gotta wait here, and I gotta go get the skin. And she said, Dad optimism. I'm pretty sure I put it in my pack. You got to be optimistic. And sure, (laughs) sure enough, that skin was in the pack. And it just, it was an incredible moment for me to just for, you know, I'm trying to teach my daughter these things. I'm trying to inspire her. And she sort of turned it around on me and said, dad, don't forget optimism. These beautiful moments with her traveling around the world are just, they're just my favorite.
1: That's fun. It's, it's fun when you hear your own words coming back at you from the mouths of your children, huh? Hey, Mike, I saw online a picture of you on a summit and uh, you've got something special you do there. Tell us about that.
0: You know, one of the things I do on these expeditions that's really fun for me is every summit that I go to, every summit that I make it, I always bring a mask and it's the Chinese zodiac year. It's either the year of the dragon or the snake or the rabbit or the dog, what have you. And I've been doing that since 1997 and wearing these masks on a summit and this is a message that I've gotten from this. This is a message I hope to tell people about that. You know, it brings a lot of laughter and a lot of sort of funny times and kind of like keeping part of my childhood. And, you know, I think uh, one of the things I get from wearing these masks is just don't take life too serious. You know, sometimes you just got to laugh at life and, and just have fun with it. And I don't ever want to lose that childhood feeling towards life. I don't ever want to take life too serious you know we should have fun and we should be smiling and laughing and if there's not laughter and along with what we're doing there's a big problem
1: <laughs> i love it you know it's a great idea i i hope you don't mind if i borrow that i'm gonna start taking something to the summits with me
0: yeah it's a it's a it's a fun uh, fun thing to do
1: well mike um one more time how can people follow your work and and be a part of what you're up to
0: I, I think the simplest thing these days is you go Google something. So if you if you Googled my name, I think uh, you'll find a lot of information about the presentations or the, the films that we're working on. And like I mentioned, the second best part of an expedition is sharing that adventure and sharing those experiences with people. And hopefully they're fired up to get out there and, and uh, be a part of our, our wild world.
1: Well, Mike, thank you very much for sharing with us today. It's been a real pleasure to have you on the show.
0: Well, thanks for having me, and um, I appreciate your time and energy. Thanks.
1: Oh, you bet. And for all the listeners out there, thank you for listening. And until the next show, remember, get out there and have some fun.
0: Right on, right on.
1: Hey, come be a guest on our show. All you need to do is go to adventuresportspodcast.com and click the Contact Us button. Don't forget to enter the contest for the free lift ticket to Eldora Ski Area. Just email us at contest at adventuresportspodcast.com.